the Hamlet Podcast, episode 161. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanmity. Things took a dramatic turn in the previous episode as Hamlet heard just whose funeral he was watching and leapt out of hiding. Laertes has attacked, shouting for the devil to take his soul. Hamlet countered with mockery, telling him he wasn't praying very properly. But for all that, Laertes' fighting skills are reasonably proficient, as Hamlet has to acknowledge. I prithee take thy fingers from my throat, for though I am not splenitive and rash, yet have I something in me dangerous, which let thy wisdom fear. Hold off thy hand. We have discussed the various humours in several other episodes. These are the various bodily fluids that some believed could influence the human character. So, if you had too much collar you were likely prone to anger. Too much phlegm, and you were probably cowardly. The spleen, the organ in the body, was generally associated with melancholy, whose humour was black bile, although it was also more loosely associated with bad temper. So Hamlet's description, given while there's a hand to his throat, is probably more general. He means to say that while he is not especially bad-tempered or rash, he's not to be tested. Are we to believe him? His killing of Laertes' father was, after all, very rash indeed. Regardless, his speech doesn't have much of an effect, because it is Claudius that has to intervene and have whatever attendants are present pull them apart. He instructs his people to pluck them asunder. Things get pretty busy right now. Hamlet and Laertes are fighting, the king is shouting his commands, the queen is now calling Hamlet's name, and everyone else is given the line to shout, Gentlemen. The two young men are pulled apart, very likely Horatio has by this time revealed himself, and pulls Hamlet away from Laertes, and it's Horatio who speaks next. Good my lord, be quiet. Sage advice, as usual. Hamlet is very angry here, He's almost at the same intensity as Laertes was when he came knocking at the door in the previous act. Laertes was riding a wave of anger at his father's killing, and now we see Hamlet in a comparable state, an immediate reaction to having learned of Ophelia's death. Laertes has also been very openly calling down curses on the head of he that caused this death. None of us need doubt that he means Hamlet. Laertes was feeling disrespected and bereaved upon his return from abroad. Now Hamlet is in exactly the same state, disrespected, bereaved and just returned from abroad. And unlike Laertes, Hamlet won't have the king's nervous, manipulative support. Now I mention all of this because it has always struck me as very dramatic that Hamlet interrupts the funeral like this and wants to disrupt Laertes' rather angry mourning to this extent. Despite having been encouraged to be quiet, Hamlet rails further. Why, I will fight with him upon this theme until my eyelids will no longer wag. I'll fight with Laertes on this until I am completely dead, he's saying, until there isn't even a flutter left in his eyelids. Gertrude has to ask, Oh, my son, what theme? Hamlet has clearly stated that his argument with Laertes is over a particular point this theme he's prepared to fight upon, and he explains it. I loved Ophelia. Forty thousand brothers could not, with all their quantity of love, make up my sum. What wilt thou do for her? So, despite everything, 
Hamlet loved Ophelia, and not in the way that a brother might love a sister. He's very specific that 40,000 brothers could not, with all their quantity of love, love her as much as he did. 40 seems to be a generic number in Shakespeare. Puck goes around the globe in 40 minutes. Titus Andronicus served Rome for 40 years. Coriolanus could beat 40 opponents. Cleopatra hopped 40 paces. And in a comparable fit of rage, Othello wishes his enemy had 40,000 lives that he could end. 40,000 is an exaggeratedly large number, of which Shakespeare seems quite fond. Hamlet ends this outburst with a question. What wilt thou do for her? We've already seen Laertes ask what else can be done to mark his sister's death. Picking up on this, perhaps Hamlet is needling him, asking what Laertes can or will do for his sister in his mourning. Before Laertes can think of an answer, the king and the queen intervene. Claudius is first and says, Oh, he is mad, Laertes. This really feels like the king is picking sides, doesn't it? It's probably not surprising, given all that we've seen in the play so far. But Hamlet is still his nephew, and at least on paper, his heir. Gertrude tries to prevent the fight from going any further. If Hamlet is mad, she might have better luck pleading with Laertes, and so she begs, For love of God, forbear him. For the love of God, she's saying, just let him rant, put up with it, and don't fight back. Hamlet isn't having it, and he continues his challenge. Zwoons, show me what thou'lt do. Would weep, would fight, would fast, would tear thyself, would drink up Isel, eat a crocodile? I'll do it. Dost thou come here to whine, to outface me with leaping in her grave? Zwoons is probably the strongest expletive in the play. This oath is a shortened form of God's wounds, or Christ's wounds. It's a strong enough oath that it was actually censured in the folio text of the play. Hamlet wants to know what Laertes would do for Ophelia. Would he weep for her? Fight for her? Give up food for her? Act like a really powerful mourner and claw at his cheeks or arms and tear his skin for her? These are all reasonably familiar actions that a bereaved person might perform. Now, it might be in a Greek tragedy, but all of these have a precedent. But Hamlet goes further, wondering if Laertes plans to drink up Isel or eat a crocodile. Isel is an archaic word for vinegar. Shakespeare uses it in Sonnet 111 when he suggests that he might drink potions of it as a kind of penance when he is looking for pity. Hamlet has just given a list of the kind of mourning activities that the bereaved might perform, and this is an extra kind of penance, perhaps to be performed for the good of the departed soul, or just as a demonstration of how terrible everything is in the aftermath of a death. Will Laertes drink vinegar in the hope of being pitied for losing his sister? There's even a hint of mockery, given that Jesus was given vinegar to drink when he was suffering on the cross. Would Laertes, this martyr of grief, like to show his suffering by drinking vinegar too in his hour of need? The mockery continues immediately when Hamlet suggests that he might alternatively eat a crocodile. Obviously, it would be an arduous, even torturous feat to eat a crocodile, famed for the toughness of its skin. On the rare occasions that they appear in Shakespeare's plays, however, 
Crocodiles are noted for their tears, and they are therefore not to be trusted. So if Laertes is going to eat crocodile to show his grief, perhaps his own tears are likewise artificial, since, as they say, you are what you eat. It's this density of imagination that can make Shakespeare's language so exciting. All Hamlet is doing is trying to one-up Laertes, and yet he does this with images that are incredibly rich. Having listed all these possible things Laertes might do for Ophelia, he explains why he's mentioned them. I'll do it, he says. I'll do any of these things too. And he asks pretty bluntly, Dost thou come here to whine? To outface me with leaping in her grave? What are you trying to do here, he's asking. Are you just here to whine and moan, or to upstage me by jumping into the grave with her? Now, here's evidence that perhaps Laertes has jumped into the grave. Whether he has done so or not, Hamlet is not impressed. He can mourn just as loudly and will. Indeed, he has a good deal more to say on the subject in his competitive grief, but we will let him finish his speech in the next episode. I'll put some details of vinegar, crocodiles, humours and religious oaths in the show notes for this episode. As always, you can find them, and plenty else besides, on the website, thehamletpodcast.com. I want to say a very sincere thank you to those of you who have been generous enough to send me a coffee. It's very kind of you, particularly at this time, and I really appreciate it. It does my heart good to see that the number of listeners to this podcast grows a little bit every week. So if you want to be a part of that, do be sure to tell your friends if you think that they'd enjoy it. I hope that you have a good week ahead and that you're staying well and I'll speak to you next time.